You are joining Making a Difference with Melissa Clark, a new show that shares the compelling stories and voices of well-known and everyday people who change the world in big and small ways. Enjoy our guests. Call in or just listen to be inspired. For this show was made with you in mind. Please join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our special guests. And you can listen to our recast at www.melissaclarkshow.com. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Melissa Clark. This is Making a Difference. There is Alexa. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) I was just doing a quick introduction of who I am. Um, Each week, we're going to be having topics uh, with people who make a difference in this world. Today, we have Alexa Curtis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I've been looking at your bio and everything and all of the interviews that you've been doing. Um, can Alexa, how old are you? I'm 22. Wow, you have so many great accomplishments. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. No problem. And Alexa, tell us, um, let's get us started with how, where, why you are where you are today, please. Yes. So back in 2011, I launched a website called The Life in the Fashion Lane when I was 12. I'm mm-hmm. from a really small town in eastern Connecticut, was bullied, never fit in, and had this idea to start a blog way before the days of blogging. So over the past 12 years, I'm 22 now, I've built it out into this full-time lifestyle platform for young people on social media and mental health. I have a podcast and I have a summit program. So it's really just inspiring people to be fearless and get out of their comfort zone. And tell us about the um, the summits that you do. Um, yeah. I saw one of them. It was unbelievable. You're, you're very inspired. You're inspiring to a lot of women. <laughs> Is it just women that you go to? the? Yeah. It's, it's ideally both. But just mm-hmm. because of kind of my fan base, I think that mostly young women show up. But the first one was at Drexel and the next one is April 1st at Berkeley. And it's this full day summit called the Be Fearless Summit that brings in tons of different speakers and panels and breakout sessions to really talk about um, a range of topics from landing your dream job to um, dating to finances and everything in between. Wow. And what happened um, when you were, um, I saw in your bio that at seven, when you were seven years old, your father was incarcerated. Yeah. Can we speak about that? And at seven, did you have any feelings of, you know, what you were going through? Do you remember that? Yeah, I actually mm. remember really clearly. And, um, you know, when I was seven, my father was wrongfully convicted and put in a maximum prison in Rhode Island. So the year that he got out is the year that I launched my website. And subconsciously, I think I, I kind of started it as just this way for me to overcome so many things that I was dealing with, both just being a young girl growing up as well as my family. And so he was in prison for five years, um, which was a lot wow. of my childhood. And that really has impacted um, what I do today. And, and also I'm very invested in justice reform. So it's, it's cool. Wow. And so at 12, you started your, um, the fashion life in the fashion lane. Yep. That's the name of the site. You're good. That's what I started. And now it's called life unfiltered with Alexa. But when I started it, it was just called the life in the fashion lane. 
Now, um, I understand that you were bullied as a kid, and that's why you started doing this. Now, it takes a lot of balls to do a fashion because, you know, people make you feel insecure and and bad when when you're getting bullied. So talk to us a little bit about that and why a fashion um, blog? Yeah, for me, fashion was always kind of just something I really connected with and growing up without any money, without any connections. I always just found fashion to be a really strong outlet for me. And so because of that, I think that's why I started it as fashion. And back then, obviously, I was only 12. So I it wasn't until later that I would begin to suffer with things like anxiety and depression and an eating disorder. Um, and so that was just a really simple kind of way for me to try and make friends when the kids at my like at my school were so mean to me and they hated fashion. Uh, I, I ended up kind of making this online community that also really enjoyed fashion um, and was similar to my age. Wow. So our topic today is anxiety, depression, and we're going to touch upon bullying. Um, can you tell us how you got bullied and, you know, how many people made you feel and all that? Yeah, bullying is such a prominent thing among so many young people. And, and when I was growing up, social media wasn't as prominent. So now it's it's so much more um, easy to bully someone behind a screen. But I mean, really, I was and, and a lot of kids are bullied. Like I was the kid who just didn't have any friends. I obviously loved fashion. Um, I was always eating lunch in the bathroom, things like that. And and just when you, you know, then you start a blog and then I ended up being on TV and that kind of just gave kids a reason to um, not attack me, but I think just become very insecure in their own skin as I showed that I, you know, wanted to do all these different things and growing up in a small town. Uh, but I really feel like looking back, I'm not glad that I was bullied, but I feel like I can relate now to so many young people who have dealt with similar situations. Right. And your anxiety, what, how old were you when the anxiety started? I started dealing with anxiety. I remember it was a TV segment that I had when I was 16. And then I was diagnosed with depression when I was 18. And now I'm 22. So it doesn't make it any easier now being a 22 year old um, entrepreneur, but I've, I've figured out how to how to deal with it. But it's not always easy. I will tell anyone that. Do you take any medication or do you, I know that you meditate a lot? Yeah, I don't. Um, I thought about taking medication, and that's a discussion that has kind of been ongoing for quite a long time in my life. But uh, from what I've heard about it, it can affect your creativity, and that really scares me. So I go to therapy, and I meditate, and uh, I just have certain times where I need to turn off, and that for me has been really effective. Uh, But I am, am not opposed to, you know, if it were to ever get very severe to go on medication. I just haven't found it necessary right now. And how do you feel when you get anxiety? What's your symptoms? Anxiety is the worst. And it's so funny because people, I think, don't actually think anxiety is real. Like, I still talk to people that are like, oh, you make it up in your head. And I'm like, you have no clue what it is. I have such bad anxiety. And I and I'm I do too many things at once. And, I, and I'm very mm-hmm. tight. Um, so I have a lot of anxiety, honestly, around finances, like doing this all on my own and being completely on my own. It's a very stressful thing. So, you know, if there's like two weeks where I haven't made any money and I'm like, how am I going to do this? Or like if I'm on net 40 with a friend, it's, it's slightly traumatizing. Um, so pretty much all of the regular anxiety symptoms, like severely fast racing heartbeat. I can't sleep. I'm not hungry. I'm like nauseous. Um, Mm. and I try to know those symptoms and prevent myself from getting really depressed from there, but it's, it can be a hard struggle. 
Wow. I had, um, I suffered from anxiety for a long time. And you know what a symptom is of mine that I'm trying to really like, you know, just keep under control. But what happens is, and I don't know if there are any people out there that have this, but the brain says to swallow, but the muscles don't. So sometimes I can't swallow and I get so scared. And um, yeah, but I, you know, my, both of my parents had passed away. And I know after my mother, she told me on her deathbed that she was going to take my anxiety with her. And she did. And thank God, I've, you know, I've calmed down with with everything that I felt. So I do a lot of meditation as well. And I don't take any medication. I mean, the only my medication is my wine. <laughs> I love to drink my red wine. That's the way to have it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, everybody has different symptoms. Um, but I think there are ways to control it with breathing. And like I listened to, um, I was very lucky to interview Dr. Deepak Chopra. Oh, wow. And I was like over the moon. I, that was my most nervous interview. But um, I listened to him and I listened to people who go through, yeah. you know, what, what, you know, what they don't, they're scared. They don't know what to do. Just like you said, people think that it's not a real thing. Yeah, it's it's very real, and you would mm. be surprised. And that's what I tell young people: the most successful entrepreneurs, Fortune 500 CEOs, a lot of them have anxiety, a lot of them have depression, and sometimes it just kind of comes with the role of being in such high-powered positions. Right? Are you? Um, so you're an entrepreneur. Um, what What are your goals? My end goal is kind of to be like the next Ellen. So when I started this site. I wasn't until maybe like 18 or 19 that I was like, I really would like a network talk show eventually. So when I got my first show, which was on the air for the last year on Radio Disney, that was incredible. Uh, So hopefully by 30, I would eventually like to build the Summit program up and maybe sell it to like a Kmart or a Target, kind of have them take it over um, a book. Uh, So things like that, just small goals. (laughs) What do you want to write about? Well, I got a book agent last year, uh, so it's kind of like a personal memoir. So the goal would be that it would come out by like 2024. Um, But because I'm still so young, I feel like I want to not rush writing it because things might still happen like in this period of time. That's so exciting. And you and you moved from um... also mixed with self-help. So insight from people who. Oh, Alexa. I think we froze. We're frozen. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Um, I moved from where? You moved from um, Connecticut, which is actually not you from you're from Connecticut, right? Yeah, I'm originally from Eastern Connecticut by Yukon, very small town. And then I moved to to New York when I was 17, stayed there for a year. Then I went to Boston for two years and then I moved to L.A. And I've been there for three years since I got the um, since I got the Disney show. Wow. So yeah. that's what, so you do your podcast at the Disney show. Let's talk about that. Life unfil Is it life unfiltered? Yeah. So I had the radio Disney show, which was called fearless every day, which was on the mm-hmm. air for the past year. And that show wrapped up production in September, but the podcast that I had, I had had for about two years prior, which was called, this is life unfiltered. And I interviewed probably a lot of similar founders and whatnot that you talk to. Uh, and so now I just hit like almost episode 110 weeks of doing it. So it's really just talking to people about being fearless and getting out of their comfort zone. And what would you tell somebody um, who who wants to do something like what we're doing and we do podcasts? So what would you tell somebody who's who's petrified to do it, but they just want to do it? 
I would say do it, number one, because you love to do it. I talk to people who are like, I want to start a blog and I need to make money off of it. And I'm like, the only reason I genuinely think I'm successful is because I had no clue what I was getting into. And there's that fear of the unknown. I think if you go into it and you're like, I don't even like to talk, but like, I want to make money. Why are you doing this? Don't, there's so many things out there to do. Don't do this because it's very hard. Um, And then second, I would say, I mean, what's the worst thing? Like, when you're sitting behind a screen, when you're sitting behind a microphone, it's not like you're personally really talking to anyone all the time. Uh, so there's elements of it that are that are very kind of easy to overcome, like anxiety or being scared of public speaking. Uh, so I would just kind of test it out and like do it for a few weeks and see if you really like it and then keep doing it. Right. Good advice. Um, I have a telephone number if anybody would like to call in. It's 888-627-6008 if you have any questions for Alexa. And um, Alexa, are you close with your mom? I am. Yeah, I'm pretty close with my mom. Oh, that's nice. So she's in Connecticut. Is that right? Yep. So she still lives in the town that I grew up in. Um, So super small town. So her and my dad still live there. Nice. And um, as far as bullying, um, I want to go back to that topic because uh, there there was a recent story that came out with the little boy. Did you see that in Australia? I did, but now I'm seeing that it's he's like fraudulent. So I know, I know. So they're saying that he is um, eighteen. Yeah, he's an actor and he's eighteen. Um, and the um, comedian, um, uh, what is his name? I forgot his name. He was wonderful to set up a Brad. I think it's Brad um, Williams. And he actually set up a GoFundMe. And I think it's up to like $450,000. But he said in a recent um, Instagram post, um, thank you. The money will be the money that you donated will not be wasted. We have a team of people making sure everything is completely legit. So, you know, but I think the good thing that came out of this whole thing was, you know, it was another awareness of bullying. I don't get it. Is it real, though, or is it fake? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. We don't know because I, they I guess it'll come out. So some media is saying that it's real. Some media is saying that it's false. So, you know. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who um, is getting um, bullied? I would say to reach out to whoever you feel close to. And I never did that. And I look back and I feel like there were so many free hotlines and online communities and groups. And I wish I had participated in them more. But I would say that depending on your age, if you're in middle school or high school, that you really need to reach out to someone at your school. And if they really don't assist in any way, then you need to go to someone higher. You need to go to a parent because a lot of times they won't directly uh, talk about bullying and schools should. And I would say if you're older and you are working a corporate job and something like that is happening, then directly reaching out to HR. And if it gets severe enough, then you need to start looking for other jobs because a lot of times, a lot of corporate companies don't want to deal with it and you don't deal with it either. Right. And um, when you were bullied um, as a young girl, did you, um, Uh, Did it affect you now? Yeah, I would say. I would say that the trauma that I dealt with with my family has way severely more impacted me than bullying. Um, I I honestly don't 
really remember a lot of my childhood because it was so traumatic. So I remember certain situations of what happened to my father, certain situations of bullying. Um, But I would say that I am lucky and fortunate that I didn't ever feel like I was unsafe or anything like that happened from what I can recall. But I would say that it has made me a completely stronger person. And again, all I chalk it up to is instead of kind of being like, why did this happen to me? I'm like, this is good because now I can relate to more kids. And this is my, I've made a life out of in a career out of doing so um so i would never be like i sit and i cry every day because i don't like everyone deals with something and i just happen to deal with bullying and what happened to my dad so you know that's just it right did they bully you because of your dad is that what happened no i started getting bullied around the seventh grade um so it was the i think it was the year that had that my father got out of prison um but that time period which was like 2007 like wrongful convictions and and incarcerations were not spoken about so you know if it had happened now I don't I think I would have had maybe more friends who would have been more supportive Uh, but I do remember certain situations where kids brought it up but it was not something that I talked about or that many kids knew about more so parents in my town wow and you know I really I feel bit more I feel horrible for the bully the person who's bullying (laughs) because they're the ones that have you know the issues and um you know what would you say to somebody who's bullying somebody else oh man I mean first (laughs) I I would say to the kid who's getting bullied anyone and I look back and I'm like man they were just so insecure anyone who's putting someone down is deeply insecure and deeply flawed um and sometimes if you can force yourself to take it as a compliment take it as a compliment and if you can and I would say to the person who's bullying someone I think a lot of people don't even realize they're bullying people and I've seen it on social media and I've gotten dms and whatnot and I'm like this was such an inappropriate thing to say to to me via comment or via dm but I don't even think nowadays people even know what bullying is or what being mean is versus what being nice is uh so I would say that you know, if you can afford therapy, if you can find therapy, that talking to someone is really helpful. But it's it's difficult if you're a peer to uh, to talk to a bully. I think it needs to come from someone who's above. Like again, if you're an adult and it's an HR department who can talk to the person who's putting other people down. If it's a guidance counselor who can talk to the young person, because really they're not going to listen to someone who's their age. Right. And bullying doesn't stop. It, it goes into no. adulthood and it actually just gets even worse. Yeah. And um, I always say to whoever, you know, I, I see, I always believe that we should be connected to whomever. To me, yeah. I'm connected to God because I grew up Catholic. Um, but now I've been studying uh, Buddhism for the past like 10 years. So um, and that's why I love Deepak Chopra. Yeah. <laughs> but I always say and my father always say he used to say, stay connected with God. You know, because once you have that connection, once you lose that connection, it's, it's, you know, you you have nobody to help you. You can't do this life on your own. So um, that's what I always say. And I always, I I, I say a lot of prayers for the people who are mean to others, you know, unless they deserve to be mean, you know, you don't want to be mean to somebody, but you know, it depends on, on the person's attitude. So yeah, you're right. Bullying is totally different now. And especially with social media and social media, it could be a great thing or it could be a bad thing. Yeah. You know what? This kid could not be nine years old. And everybody's like, he's 18. And this, yeah. imagine what he feels like even now. He yeah. Got, yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not making light of it, but imagine what the kid feels like now. It's, it's, yeah. oh my God. You know, if it is, if he is a, a legit, you know, 
but that was that was horrible and that that pulled at a lot of people's heartstrings yeah. to hear a little child at nine years old saying or who i'm sure that there are other kids saying they want to kill themselves and they do yeah and it's just um i i i, I can't touch upon that i had um i'm going to have dr robbie ludwig um i'm going to interview her in regard to this whole conversation so she can give her expertise yeah. you know it's just us talking i'm i'm not an expert but i know you know what i've been through in my life but alexa tell everybody where we can find you Yes, you can follow me on social media at, at Alexa underscore Curtis and the summit, which is at Be Fearless Summit. And then my website is www.lifeunfilteredwithalexa.com. That's amazing. And you have a summit coming up in April. Is that right? At Berkeley? Berkeley, yes. Okay. Repeat that one more time. So you can we RSVP just... right on the website as well. Okay. Yeah, repeat... it's April 1st. Uh, it's April 1st at UC Berkeley, and you can RSVP directly on the website. Beautiful. And I'll somehow, I'll ask my guys if they can put it on my on the yeah, website there. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You're beautiful. God bless you. And thank you for being so open to people. Thank you so much for having me and have an thank awesome you. weekend and keep thank being you. badass yourself. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> thank right. you so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> What a doll. Thank you so much. So now I have Lady James. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being with us today. You heard the whole conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. All right. So you and I know each other on a personal level, and we broke yes. bread one night for about two hours, and your story just had me on the floor. So Tell us um, who you are, what you're about, and explain your your definition of yourself. You know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just James, and, you know, I am, like, gender nonconforming, I guess is, like, the title I would use to explain the way I present myself. Um, so basically, like, you know, I just, I live life in my own definition. Like, I'm not... I don't, sorry, I'm not articulating myself so well right now. Um, That's okay. Take, take your time. Take your time. We have plenty of time. Okay. Um, yeah. So I basically, I, I came out as gay when I was maybe 14 years old. And, um, for a lot of years I lived my life as a gay man. And then when I was about 20 years old, I kind of started experimenting with my self-expression and, Um, I started growing my hair longer and wearing women's clothes to work. And it it basically snowballed into like me really finding out who I am and living an authentic life, regardless of anybody's opinion. And um, I basically, when I say I live life by my own definition, it's like, you know, when you walk through the world, like, there's so many norms that you can follow, but for some people, those norms don't work for them. So it's just kind of asking yourself, what do you want, regardless of what other people say you should want and living true to yourself. Right. So, all right. So you came out as gay at 14. Did you, when mm-hmm. did you, when did you feel this? How old were you? Do you remember? Um, It's actually like, I felt like I was gay. Obviously, like when I was a kid, I didn't have the language to like understand like what it meant to be gay. But 
I think I noticed I had an attraction towards men when I was like as young as like third grade. Wow. Okay. So really do you, be- yeah. Do you believe when people say that you, um, that you are born gay? Um, you know what? It's so, it's interesting because for, I always growing up, I always thought I was, I was born gay. And then mm-hmm. when I kind of started wearing women's clothes, I kind of started reevaluating it and like thinking maybe this was something I was impressioned by as a young child. And like, I had the conversation with my oldest sister, like how I was having these thoughts, like maybe I wasn't born gay, maybe in my developmental years, like I was more impressioned by my mom than my father. And that's why I am the way I am now. And she said, cause she's 11 years older than I am. And she, you know, took care of me a lot, just as much as my mom did. And she said, no, James, like you 100% were like, you you are the reason I think people are born gay. Wow. Yeah. So your parents were very supportive. They were supportive with your, um, with you coming out. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us how, can you tell us how you came out to them? Um, there was like no really hiding the fact that I was gay. I mean, I was just so flamboyant from such a young age. And like, I obviously, I had such um, an attraction for like girls toys when I was a kid. So, like, even before I admitted it to myself, everybody knew. But um, I basically, when I was in eighth grade, I started dating, like, a, somebody. And I put it on my MySpace, actually, when MySpace was, like, the big social media platform. Oh, my God, and, MySpace. <laughs> yeah. And my my brother saw it, that I put, that I was in a relationship with a, with a guy, and... um he told my mom and then my mom confronted me and like I had admitted it to her and it was such a difficult conversation for me to have, but regardless, my mom supported me. And your father as well. Is that right? Yeah. My dad is my, my parents are divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, and in my adolescence, like I kind of, I never had like a negative relationship with my father, but he wasn't there that much. Um, but he knew and he never had a negative thing to say about it. Um, so yeah, I never like my family, like I have a big immediate family. I have two brothers and two sisters and like everybody, like it was just, I don't know. I just was myself and like, nobody made me feel bad about it at home. At home. So tell us Mm -hmm. what happened outside of your home when you would go out you Let's know, talk. About, I, I remember having a conversation with you. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I remember having a conversation and we spoke about the first time that you, that you went out in public mm-hmm. as in ladies clothing. Yeah. So can you, can you tell us about that for someone who's frightened to do that? Because you had a lot of courage. You know, there's kind of um, two big, like coming out moments in terms of like wearing women's clothes that I had. Um, the first time is like literally the first time I went into public wearing women's clothes. Um, and I did it with a friend and if it weren't for that friend, it would have been so much harder, but we, I was like maybe 19 and we were friends with a couple drag Queens and they had wigs and everything. And me and my friend Zach, like we, he was experimenting with his self-expression before I was. Mm-hmm. And when we became friends, we really got into like supporting each other 
and um i never i it opened this world of like self-expression for me and we went it literally it's so funny we, we literally like I don't know. We went to like a Seven Eleven or like a convenience store wearing like wigs and like dresses and uh-huh. heels, and like it was such like a messy situation. And like I was so scared, but like I did it. And like, like fast forwarding to my life four years or five years later, it's it's was so scary at first, and now it's just so easy. So. Because but, you you started experimenting wearing the clothes at uh, what twenty is that right twenty twenty one around twenty yeah and you're twenty five now I'm twenty five yeah oh okay okay so you go to work and you're dressed up um, as a woman mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just like it's 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 wonderful like does anybody ever give you any and I've seen you dress up and like you you look yeah. better than than most women out there. <laughs> <laughs> you're so, you're so, you know, the way that you are. I mean, I've seen people like look at mm-hmm. you because of the way that mm-hmm. you you hold yourself, you know, and you take care of yourself, which is wonderful. So tell, uh, yeah, like when you go to work, what what happens? Well, you know, so like in terms of like my little coming out moments, like big like defining moments in like my my like identity and finding myself, like there was that one moment when I literally was the first time I went out into the world wearing women's clothes. And I went with my friend and we were wearing a wig and it looked crazy. We looked totally a mess. But the next one was working at Bloomingdale's like years ago. I worked at Bloomingdale's and I'm so grateful for Bloomingdale's. And it was such an amazing experience working for that store. Um, Mm -hmm. So I basically, for a couple months, I had a really strong support system working at Bloomingdale's with the people that I saw every day. And I was expressing to them like, oh, I kind of want to wear a dress to work, kind of wear, wear a dress to work for a couple months. And um, I was so afraid to do it because I didn't realize I had, you know, any rights. Like I thought, oh my God, if I come to work and women's clothes, they're going to bring me into the HR office, tell me to go home. So wow. I had so much fear and... um. So wait, can I just interrupt you? You mm-hmm. you were going to work at dressed as a man with your hair. Yeah, with your... I had short hair, and okay. for a year I worked at Bloomingdale's, and I wore men's suits and ties and button downs and all that. Um, wow. And, and you didn't after... feel you didn't feel comfortable, James. You didn't feel like yourself, right? You know what? It's so funny because walking through this employee entrance, there was this big mirror. Um, sorry. Um, there was this this big mirror right in the, through the entrance and like you would walk and see past the mirror every day before starting your day on the floor. And I would like, it was like increasingly looking in that mirror just made me feel so insecure. Looking at yourself in men's clothing. Yeah. That, uh... Um, yeah. Made me feel so insecure. Like, I don't know. I felt like uncomfortable about the way my body looked and... Um, I just, I just, it wasn't, I don't know. I just wasn't comfortable. And I didn't realize like why I was so uncomfortable. You know, I didn't have like this innate desire to like dress in women's clothes and think that it was going to like help me. I was just so lost. Like I was like drowning almost in like this insecurity that I didn't know where it was coming from. Like I didn't know that expressing myself was going to answer a lot of my problems. And but yeah, so like 
back to what I was saying about like when I started cross-dressing at Bloomingdale's. So I, after a few months, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna, sorry if I swore. Um, That's okay. I said, I'm just, yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And I'm gonna bring, I brought a backup outfit in my car, men's outfit, left it in my car. And mm-hmm. I was wearing like four inch stilettos and a tight little bodycon dress. And I had like <laughs> really short hair. And I like so fearlessly walked into Bloomingdale's and everybody had known me for such a long time. And like everybody that I worked with supported me a hundred percent and I just rocked it. And I was so confident and I was unapologetic. And, um, at the end of the day, the HR of like manager came up to me and she said, James, like we support you a hundred percent. If you ever have a problem with anything. Yeah. Like, you can come to us. So, and I that's never went back from there. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love that. And, um, let's talk about any bullying that happened to you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assu- yeah. Outside of work and outside from home. Give us a, an example of what happened. Um, you know, in my adult life, I, I don't really deal with bullying to be honest. Um, I, I think I, it, I present myself in a way that doesn't tolerate bullying. Um, and, but when I was younger, bullying had impacted my life. Like, so, so I'm still, I still think I'm impacted by my bullying from when I was younger in wow. about like fifth grade. Um, you know, these, everybody started to notice I was different. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was, I would say in like my public school in the fifth grade, like there might've been 300 students, right. And say half are boys, half are girls of the 150 boys. Not one of them was kind to me. Like if they weren't bullying me, they ignored me. So all the girls were always so friendly and supportive. And I was friends with all the girls, but like literally for me, like not one boy extended an ounce of kindness to me for an entire school year. Um, and were there were there other um, gay boys in your school? No, I was like the only one that wow. people could tell. I mean, I'm sure there, of course, there were, but it's just, I'm the only one that was noticeable enough. Wow. Uh, yeah, and like like I said before, my family supported me, and I I never even contemplated my own gayness. Right, like it just was. I was just being myself, and I wasn't thinking twice about it. And then all of a sudden, when I'm you know, about 10 years old, everyone's pointing out that like, I'm a faggot or I'm this and I'm not. And, um, it was like so difficult for me to deal with because, you know, I didn't have my feet on the ground in this world. I didn't have a set like sense of identity and who I am and confidence. I'm still building my confidence. Right. Cause I'm such a young, such a young age. Um, it was the fact that like in an environment where you have these boys and you have the girls and like not a single boy is willing to give you any sense of kindness. It made me feel like there was something wrong with me. And through my adult life, um, it was so weird. Like in terms of like my mental health, like I'm not really an anxious person. Um, I don't really deal with much anxiety, but it was so weird. I noticed that like every time I would, um, interact with men who were like masculine presenting and not like gay men. Um, 
I would get extreme anxiety and I could barely hold just like a regular small talk conversation with them. Um, And it was like, even say I'm like ringing something at Bloomingdale's, right? This man's going to buy a necklace for his wife and Mm -hmm. he's at the counter and he's just buying it. Like I would just full anxiety, like, like so uncomfortable because I was carrying this shame and this trauma from when I was younger, when none of the men or the boys like were kind to me. Right. And I was like 20 years old and I was still dealing with this. Um, and it was so hard. And then I noticed once I kind of started wearing women's clothing, like it alleviated it for me and it, it turned the tables around actually. And I started to make men uncomfortable because now they have to face someone who's not like going to apologize for who they are, you know? Right. I don't know. It's just um, like in terms of like, like from a mental health, like perspective, like, you know, if you're suffering from depression and anxiety, like thinking about that, like it, it, that means that there's something in your, in your mind that you're not facing or dealing with properly. I, right? I, totally, I totally agree. Yes. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And And, mm -hmm. mm -hmm, wait, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, you've told me that you've had um, some problems with meeting men. Is that right? Because they don't know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Tell us about that, please. Um, That's like, like, I would have to say, honestly, the two hardest parts about being yourself and wearing women's clothes when you're a man or vice versa or whatever it may be. Like um, the two hardest things are one finding a job Mm -hmm. and getting promoted within your company. And two is dating, honestly, because you know, the social movement, like the social like climate in the last five years has changed so much about with people who are, you know, trans or, gender nonconforming or whatever. Um, so it's still something that like, you know, the majority of people are, you know, getting used to. And um, I mean, if I'm just going to get into it, like I, because if I really put forth the effort and do makeup and hair and everything, right. And I really look like a woman, all these men who are typically straight men are attracted to me and, are willing to pursue me, but it's not the kind of thing where they're going to like bring me home to like mom and dad, you know, cause that's obviously a little awkward. Right. So that's so, oh, just, it's a challenge. Are they, are they gay? That's a good question. This is like a big, <laughs> big like topic of discussion that people like, I don't know if they found the answer to like straight men who are attracted to trans women or, you know, um, I think, I think that they're like mostly straight. I think that maybe I would say they're like a little bit bisexual. Right. But they're, that's they're my, not, that's my personal opinion. Right. They're just not coming out. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's okay. That that's okay for them to feel that way. Um, but when you want to have a relationship, it's not that, you know, it's not fair mm-hmm. for you. It's not fair for you really. Yeah. It's so frustrating because for you know, going through being bullied and then kind of coming into myself as an adult. And now 
I'm expressing myself and I'm being true to myself, but now there's a whole new set of problems that are presented like dating. And it, for a while, like I had to like blame myself. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, like I'm, I must be doing something wrong or this and this and that. And then I kind of just like told myself like, no, it's not your fault. Like, um, it's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's just a difficult, it's just like difficult dating. Like really, that's like the only facet. And like, for the sake of having a hard dating life, like I wouldn't give up like being true to myself because it's literally fixed every other area in my life. So. Yeah. It's not that easy dating being a single yeah. female mm-hmm. <laughs> who's straight. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, I, I, we also have problems as well. So it's just, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad that, you know, you're you're out and you're doing your thing and um, mm-hmm. your pictures on Instagram are gorgeous. Thank you. And, you know, I want you to, if you can, tell someone who is going through what you're, you know, they like to dress as a girl, um, but you also want to keep your male parts. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Right. It's, um, I, it's, I have like a unique kind of like identity with, with all my, you know, nonconformity like um people when they see me because i dress in women's clothes and i look for the most part like a woman they automatically assume like i'm transgender um which i'm not going to blame anyone for thinking that because i would have thought the same thing um but i actually i'm a man i was born a man i plan to keep staying like a man it's just my part it's almost like my personal style is feminine you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go as far as like something like I would ever change myself biologically because um, I'm so holistic with my health, um, which, you know, I, I avoid medication in all, in, of all sorts unless it's absolutely necessary. And um, yeah, I just, I never, I don't know. I never, I don't, I'm just comfortable with who I am now. So I'm, I'm James and I'm happy to be James where I guess maybe some other people like feel like they really need to, you know, change their name and hormone therapy and, and the whole, the whole mile. But, um, yeah, I just, which confuses a lot of people. I, I end up having to explain myself and who I am all the time. So uh, how which do is you fine. F- you're okay with that or how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I don't mind like, you know, explaining who I am because obviously people like it's, this is like not something you see every day. So how could I ever expect people to understand, you know, how could I ever get mad at someone for using the wrong pronouns? Like when it's not something you see every single day. And, um, you know, it's someone paid me a really, really nice compliment at my job the other day. So I working at Rockefeller center, right? Like, I work for the company that owns it at um, Tishman Fire. And um, one of the, there's a prop, like each building in Rockefeller Center has their own property manager. And I introduced myself to one of the property managers. I said, hi, like I'm James and you know, she's whoever. And she's like, you know, nice to meet you, but everybody knows who you are. And I was (laughs) like, I was like, what does that mean? So I was saying it to someone and he's like, this guy was like, yeah, well, you know what? Like you're, you're trailblazing here. Cause you're the only person who expresses yourself throughout all of Rockefeller center in the way that you do. And it's bringing light to your community. And 
and it's introducing people to new things. And I, I never like gave myself that much credit, you know, it was like, that's, you know, that's interesting. And it's, it's true actually that I'm the only person in the area, you know, doing it through the company. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. It just basically said I was trailblazing for my community and it's that, that meant like so much to me. So, you know, I don't mind expressing, I don't mind, you know, clarifying to everybody how I present myself and how I identify because it's new and I, I'm just, you know, putting this in people's awareness. You're so courageous. Takes, it, take, it takes a lot for people, you know, to go out there and mm-hmm. be themselves. Um, I'm just trying to think of a time if I ever did that and I, I can't really say that I, I do. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people do get hurt, you know, for being themselves, but you know what, now that I think about it, we have, our society is so different now. Whereas when I grew up, we wouldn't even talk about this. This wouldn't be a topic, you know, Uh um, Mm -hmm. not that I'm a hundred years old, you know, but I, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and, um, but now it's so acceptable. I was asking my niece, uh, she's what, 13 is she 14? I, I, four, she's in her teens. And I asked her, I said, Juliana, um, when pe- you know, are there people that walk around and hold hands, you know, same sex? And she goes, actually, yes, there is. And I'm like, and nobody says anything? She goes, no, because it's just, it's the world that mm-hmm. we live in now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you always have to let people be who they are. Right. And, uh, you know, the life as hard as it is and we just have to you know it's not hurting anybody you're what are you doing to hurt somebody? exactly you know what i mean mm-hmm. i i mean i'm I'm, yeah. fr- I'm friends with a lot of older italian people so you know <laughs> they they uh you know they have they say stuff but um you know that's just their that's their old school you know what i mean so yeah. um mm-hmm. nobody is hurting anybody unless you're out there and you know you're you're hurting people and you're whatever you're not right. And, and nobody is either. You know what I mean? Like I, I have a lot of gay friends and they're so lovely to be around. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's nobody's place to tell someone how to live their lives. If it doesn't hurt people. Right. Like if this was like negatively affecting, you know, the society and the population, um, then of course people should intervene and stop and say like, wait, we need to, think twice about this but letting people express themselves and wear the clothes they want to wear and you know have whatever partner they want that that's something that only stays between a person their family and you know their spouse or their partner so i don't know it's just you know like talking about like bullying and stuff like for me and like the courage that it took to like get to where I am now. Like I was thinking about it when you were talking with Alexa about bullying and what her response was. I was thinking about my response. And when I was younger and kids bullied me, I didn't tolerate it. I was like, no, like I, because my family didn't shame me, I didn't feel ashamed. So I always stood up for myself because that's, that's like my advice to people who are being bullied. Like, Yes, absolutely. Go to whoever is in authority to put a stop to it if they can. But like, also like never back down, like never, never accept like someone else's judgment and their criticism when you're not doing anything to hurt anyone, you know, like in fifth grade, like all the boys started being mean to me, like, and calling me all these horrible names and like pushing me in the wall and like 
Aww. attacking me on the playground and all this stuff. And like, I always stood up for myself. What and would you say? Can you, can you, I'm sorry for interrupting mm-hmm. you. Can you give us an example mm-hmm. of what you would say? Like if somebody what was, I would say back to them. Yeah. Like what I, would well, it? I went, oh my God. I was like 10 years old. Um, <laughs> if someone called me like, you know, they called me a faggot or something. I'd be like, Oh my God. I would say like, just like really petty things. Like, childish like you know fuck you you're ugly like shut the fuck up and mm-hmm. i would get like personal like say so, i don't know like if i i would just i kind of combated it with more combat which isn't the great necessarily the greatest thing right mm-hmm. that's that's just adding you know whatever heat to the fire but um the best thing you could do is just you know be confident and like not you know it's just it's just being confident and um just just disregard it as much as you can i mean that's impossible for some people especially at such a young age you know when you just want so hard like so badly to fit in um but i don't know just don't accept it you know if you have to fight somebody who's disrespecting you you might have to and that says to you that I don't accept what you're saying and I'm going to live my life over here and fuck you pretty much. Sorry, but uh, like, <laughs> it's all right. No, it's a, it's a passion. It's a passionate topic. So, you know, um, that's quite all right. Uh, but yeah, of course we would always, uh, before we do violence, we would talk about things and, you know, but it's very good that you do defend yourself. Um, a lot of people are scared to do that. You know, you just got to do it in a, in a smart and, and humane way. And, you know, um, it's just wonderful. Now, do you see yourself ever like getting married or do you want to have children? Uh, I want to get married so badly. Um, <laughs> I really do. I don't know. It's so hard dating though. Like when you, when you dress the way I do, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yes. I, I mean, I want that commitment. I want, you know, I want like someone to share my life with, um, kids. I don't know. I don't know about kids. <laughs> Do you have any children in your family? Do, does it, your sisters are um, older or younger? Yeah. My oldest sister has two, two oh, okay. daughters. My two nieces. They're so freaking cute. Now, do they call you um, uncle or aunt? It's a funny, funny thing. Um, my, the oldest one is probably like eight or nine years old. And then the younger one's four years old. Um, and the younger one thinks I'm a girl. And the older one is always correcting her. Like, no, that's Uncle James. And the older one like totally gets it. Like she is just like totally understands who I am. And like, there's nothing weird about it. Um, she actually... She showed me one of her, her stuffed animals and it was like a sparkly like unicorn. She's like, I know you would like this one. It was uh, just so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at least they're okay. open to it. Because your family's open mm-hmm. to it. Your sister is so Yeah. Well hate is hate is taught. I don't you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like my nieces kind of prove that because they my sister never taught them any kind of, you know judgment towards other people and naturally they're not being judgmental so they're like kids will be curious enough to be like i've never seen a person like you before what are 
what, what are you, who are you, you know, Mm -hmm. why are you like this? And then, you know, if you explain it to them in a positive way, they'll understand and they'll accept. But if you kind of explain it and be like, oh, that's not really normal. That's weird. Kids are going to be like, oh, that's weird. I don't like it. You know? Right. And what is your, um, what do you do for a living now? You work for? I work, um, I started working for a new company three months ago. I, I work at Rockefeller Center. Um, mm-hmm. I, I basically am like a receptionist for the office. Like the you want to you want to get into um, into entertaining, is that right? You want to do modeling because yeah. I try. I wanted to hook you up with a couple of my designer friends, mm-hmm. and that that's still going to happen. And you know, because you're so mm-hmm. tall, how how tall are you? I'm five ten and a half. Yeah, and that's without heels. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! I haven't worn so- heels in a while. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be hooking you up with um with some people. Um and I, I told you that between Paul and I. So tell mm-hmm. everybody where thank you so much for being with us today. First of all, you're of you're you're one of my favorite people. From the moment I met you, I you know, we, we liked each other. So thank you uh-huh. so much. Yeah. Thank you and, so much for having me. No, my pleasure. Tell everybody where we can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My, uh, my Instagram handle is uh, that lady James. And yeah. Thank you, James, so much. You're the best. I'll talk to All you right. soon. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, every week we're going to have a topic, uh, something like this. Perhaps, you know, we're going to do funny things. We're going to do serious things. Um, and next week we're going to, it's going to be all about animals. So I'm like obsessed with animals, especially on Instagram. And we have a dog named Tatum where the father does the voice for uh, him. And it's just so funny. So please stay tuned with us. You can follow me um, on my Instagram, which is writer's life one, one, two, seven, and head over to my website, which is um, www.melissaclarkshow.com. And I want to thank you so much and please be kind to one another. Thank you to Alexa and thank you to uh, James. And, um, I've been meaning to do this show for a good year now. Um, I'm a published writer. I work for a lot of publications and I love my work and I love to help people, um, put their voice out into this world. So I'm very fortunate and I thank you so much for joining us.